0: All right, guys, today we have an interesting guest here, a little perspective outside of the roofing business, and uh, I am super excited. Good friend of mine that's been there, done that, seen a little bit of everything. Corey Adams specializes in concrete masonry type work with a little bit of uh, history doing some consulting, doing some other things, some public speaking as well. But uh, Corey, is awesome to have you today. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Good. Well, let's just dive in. We don't need notes, enough personal history. We can skip the notes and just get right to it. But, uh, no, I, I really mean that when uh, I say been there, done that, you know, done a lot, man, been, been around, um, so many successful businesses in your life, been a part of so many successful businesses and doing it on your own now and doing it in a really, really interesting way that, uh, I think a ton of listeners would find very, very intriguing. And maybe a lot of guys that, that are still working for somebody else, you know, can kind of see a little bit of a different light in a way that they may be able to move into their own. So why don't you give us just a little bit of background because the, the, the story of your, your childhood and, you know, kind of growing up inside some family business and then kind of going on your own. It, it's such a great story. Let, let's just hear some, some background from you
1: all right i'm gonna try to give you the short version so we don't run off all the listeners here in the first five minutes of this thing Uh, as you said i I grew up in in a family business atmosphere you know obviously you know a lot of my extended family uh contractings in our blood it's just something that we grew up around um you know i can remember being 12 years old on my first commercial concrete pour you know put a hard hat on put some safety glasses on don't tell anybody you're 12 type situations so i've been around for a while even though i'm not really overly old, um, but, you know, been into it for 30 years now, I guess. But growing up in that situation was awesome. You know, it gave me a lot of insight into, you know, blueprints that, you know, I was reading blueprints by 16 years old, you know, as far as not, not with help, like reading them and bidding jobs. So I was in it early and in it often. had a lot of successful people around me. And I think that's probably the most important thing for my upbringing was the network. Of successful people that I had access to basically mentoring me as a child and even into my early 20s, you know, I had access to some of the brightest minds in the construction industry that today still hold national weight, some of them. So it's pretty interesting to grow up that way. Um, yeah.
0: I don't mean to cut you off, but it, no, I mean, yeah. the, the privileged conversations that you were a part of, you know, early on it, is yeah. incredible. And, and just to add to that, I know you're kind of passing that down a generation, especially when you were living in Texas and commuting back and forth and yep. you know, having those business, you know, your, your kids are just listening, you know, and they're hearing these business conversations and understanding some stuff. And, and I mean, they're going to get it too. They're going to get, you know, kind of the gist of what's going on out there. You know, I have
1: to watch that because, you know, my oldest, uh, a couple of years ago, we were talking about a project and, and I kind of, he was just in a truck with me riding around you know like you do with your kids and he was 16 at the time and uh he kind of figured out he's intelligent enough he figured out that when i said something he goes i hung the phone up and he goes dad did we really make that kind of money today i said yeah yeah that's what i made today and he goes why the hell am i going to college <laughs> and as a college graduate, I kind of had to slow him down and be like, well, this, you're not ready for that. That that took me 20-some years to get to where I can have those kind of days. Um, and they're not every day. So you better, if you don't like a roller coaster, go to college and get a job.
0: <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. No, So go ahead with having that little bit of history. Yeah. Back. Go ahead and build on that a little bit.
1: Well, so what I did was I went to work in my father's construction company after college. I did that for 16 years, managing everything from his real estate portfolio to the company itself. I mean, I was involved in all kinds of things. Um, Even, I mean, you remember uh, when I was still managing the uh, rental store, equipment rental store, which is funny. I get a lot of questions from more seasoned contractors about that, um, which is a whole other topic for a whole other hour-long conversation about how we transformed a rental store into out of a contracting company, but we did it. And I don't know, whatever. So I did all that. I'm trying to speed it up. Cause I, ramble. my wife right, says, I take rambled your time. my no, take your time. <laughs> anyway. So uh, eventually as you know, my, we got older, my father and I had different ideas on directions of the company. You know, he was at the age he wanted to retire, slow down. I was still young and dumb, full of piss and vinegar. I wanted to go. So we decided to split it up, and I, we kind of just went our separate ways uh, on good terms. And before I started the, my own company, um, I actually took a job. Once I they found out we were splitting up, one of the companies we worked for had a, I had a job offer within 24 hours to run all their concrete and masonry for the whole GC company. So I must have had some cloud I didn't know about at that point, but it was really eye opening experience to be out on that side of it too. You know, basically managing million dollar projects when when I'd never done a million dollar project before I got that job. Sure, And then, you know, then to go out and just start managing them and selling them and and the whole nine yards was another eye opening experience. And then when I decided that I, that I didn't like it, uh, the one thing I don't like million dollar projects, I don't like them. That's, that's a weird. And then this like alludes back into what you were talking about earlier with I've kind of got a different philosophy. So I figured out what I liked and didn't like over the first 20 years of my career. Then I went in, you know, so I started my own business with you know, a few things in mind of what I wanted. And that's how I organized it and set it up. And, and it's, it's thrived so far. So I'm pumped about that.
0: Fortunately, I just know enough background to be dangerous. You know, you, you really found the niche that not only you were, knew there was money in, but you also mm-hmm. found the niche that you enjoyed. And then structure your business around the enjoyment. And I think a lot of us, I know I did, man. I missed the mark so bad. Like early on, you know, I built my business out of a need to, to make money. And uh, you don't need to make money because, I mean, at the end of the day, we've got to make a profit or we're, we're out. But I think a lot of people miss the mark. And they, they, they build a business only to make some money. And what happens is you get burnt out. You get tired of it. You get, you get fed up with the issues that you wouldn't have if you enjoyed going every day. So let us know a little bit about the business that you have today and that philosophy, because I think a lot of people just need to hear it. Yeah. Well, you know, there's obviously
1: different types of businesses. And, and I wanted um, I worked in the enterprise style, you know, the, it was all about the numbers. It was all about, you know, profit and loss and getting more and growing and pushing and pushing and pushing. I prefer a lifestyle um, kind of business. You know, I I don't want to work every day. I'm not scared to tell people that I don't want to go out every day and work. And and there's a lot of small companies uh, that, the, the, you know, out of the need to make money. That's what they do. They literally cut you know margins so tight to just work every day because they think, well, if I make a hundred dollars a day or, you know, or $500 a week, I can survive. I'm not like that. I want to make $10,000 a week and then only work two weeks a month. Yeah, I'm OK with that. So in order to do that, though, that's where I kind of developed some some metrics that I used to, you know, drive our company to where I wanted, you know, basically the volume versus margins versus specialization type things. So I knew where our sweet spot was that if I wanted to work, you know, eight months out of the year or six months out of the year, or twelve months out of the year, I can. Uh, but I'm gonna do it on my own terms and, and make the money I want and and enjoy the jobs I do, bid or take
0: on. Yeah. And you know when i early early on i mean i my goal was how hard can i push and, mm-hmm. and the biggest issue really with that for me wasn't just that okay i was i was getting it man i was busting ass we were the production rate that we had we were knocking jobs out left mm-hmm. and right the problem was i never had a minute to step away and be like oh i'm not making shit today like i'm not making i'm making 300 dollars this week and i'm paying my help thousand dollars ahead a week like my guys are making three times the money i'm making but absolutely ability to even do that when your goal is i gotta be busy but i can't imagine that there's very many listeners that didn't do that most people that are yeah. that are going to listen to this are still there today or for a substantial duration of time they wanted to be busy and they yeah. thought busy meant success and it well, doesn't
1: well, I think I think that the, there's a myth out there that needs addressed, I mean, pretty nationally. More gross doesn't equal more profit. We think that, you know, all the, of course, 90% of the gurus, if you will, on, on social media that want to sell you marketing or sales platforms, they just want to pen all the books. I mean, there's plenty of books. You've read just as many as I have. You know, the most of them are, you need more sales, you need more sales, you need more sales. And in all reality, if you're not making money, why the hell sell more? So just a word order. Yeah, I focus. I mean, I focus solely on the profit side of it. Profit is is my driver. If there's no profit on
0: it, or profit that I want, I'm not doing it. I won't even bid it. So, you just wrote an article in Masonry Magazine that got published recently. Part mm-hmm. one of, I assume, two parts. Uh, there's actually going to be three. There's going to be a conclusion
1: part come out. So I, the the three metrics I talked about is what we're addressing there: the volume, margin, and specialization side. Yeah,
0: I read the first article, and not to say I don't have a you and I don't have a little bit of different viewpoint on some things, mm-hmm. but that's what makes us better. That's and, good. good thing. Uh, yeah, it's a great thing. But I was very very intrigued reading and understanding your viewpoint on on building a business. Let's discuss the article a little bit and kind of. Mm-hmm you know, what you were talking about there.
1: So the, the first one, you know, we're, we're basically talking about, you know, quality. You know, the quality you put out has to, as as a company grows, you know, we end up with more employees, more crews, more office personnel, more overhead. The larger any organization grows, whether that's a contracting company or any, you know, a, a milk business, the larger you get, the lower the quality goes, The your your actual final product quality goes out. You know, when we're, I mean, you know, I know for a fact that if you, when you first started, the first roof you crawled on, that thing was perfect. I guarantee it because you were sitting there and you oversaw every nail that went in that thing. There's you just saw, you <laughs> drove, yeah. The first one, you drove everyone. It's, it's just like me, the first, you know, when I went out on my own and my first concrete job I did, every detail of that thing was perfection. And, but as we get larger and we start hiring people to do stuff for us, they don't take the same pride that we do as an owner. So the quality goes down. The goal there was the goal with the whole system while you grow is to keep your quality at an above average, you know, above acceptable, if you will, you know, point. And there's a lot of people out there, especially small businesses who who fight and never grow because they can't let go of the perfectionist quality. You know, in, in our industry and in concrete masonry work, perfection is not achievable. In 99% of jobs, it's just not. It's. I mean, some days the concrete will kick your ass. You know, you can kick its ass for six years straight, and then one day you're going to just get your ass beat, and it's going to go bad on you. It happens. But there's a level of acceptable in there that's far below perfection. And if we can train our guys and our crews to deliver above acceptable, but not perfection, then we have a growth. We have a point of growth there. If we strive for perfection on every job. We're not going to grow,
0: and the big the big issue with growth is, you know, I and I I experienced it. We were young, we were hungry, we were willing to bid anything. It didn't matter whatever whatever we could do, and we could do it. What I thought was worth it, which looking back, I lost my ass over and over again. But we were doing it, you know. Like, yes, give me more, give me more, give me more. Oh, yeah. What do you do? What do you do? You hire, you hire, you hire. You know, and. And I was fortunate. I had a little bit of community around me, some good friends that, you know, knew a couple roofers over here or a couple framers over here. And I could hire some guys. I was paying them probably more than the going rate, but I was getting help. You know, I had help come in. The problem was they weren't trained. And you're just throwing people at the problem. The problem is is you're bidding too much work at too fucking cheap. That's the problem. The solution was throw men at it. Well, guess what? When you're Throwing men at that problem, they're not well trained, and that level of quality it way below acceptable. And then now you created the second problem. And yeah. that's spending all your time going back fixing shit that should have just been done at an acceptable level in the first place. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with, and- with growth, I think there's growth has to be somewhat organic. Now, I, I am very gross-minded, and, and I'm trying to build, you know, the mid-Ohio Valley empire here, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. But at the end of the day, I really have to reel it back, because I get too rushed, personally, let, let's hire three more salesmen and and find two more production crews, and let's, let's do that next week. You know, yeah. that's just not realistic. You could do it. I mean, I could do it probably by the end of the day if I wanted to. Oh, yeah. Got to pay yeah. more than they're worth. And, they're not going to be trained for shit. We're going to go do a bunch of half ass work. The problem is then your sales are going to plummet because you're going to get a bad reputation around town.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and I I try to tell people, you know, you're not too big for what this theory is, but it's really designed for a lot of the smaller starting out guys. Uh, and that is that growth in, in the construction industry has to be relationship-based. We have very good relationships with the GCs that we work for. There are some GCs that we won't work for just because they don't want if you if I send you an email and you don't respond for three or four days. Guess what? I'm not turning bid in. I'm done. I'm done with you. If you can't communicate, this is a relationship. And I start that in every introductory email that I send when we are given an invite to bid. It's we are a relationship focused company. If you don't want to have a good relationship or if you have no desire to use us except for a one off job, don't call me. It's fine. So, yeah. and but that creates that reputation like you're talking about as well. You know, if we're client centric the whole time, then it work gets around fast. I mean, we're we've this year, I mean, I know it's early in 24, but we were definitely getting some calls from some GCs that are looking for multi state help, not, hey, we got a job over here 40 minutes from you.
0: Right. Well, I'll tell you one thing that absolutely changed the trajectory of our business. And I know you're very good at it is saying no. And Mm -hmm. when I, especially, you know, this is a small town roofer podcast. This is a small town. We're from the same general area. When you're in this small town environment, you have a relationship with everybody like Mm -hmm. literally, Oh, I'm, you know, they, when I'm the one answering the phone back four or five years ago, I'm answering the phone. Hey, I'm so-and-so's uncle or I'm, I'm so my my good friend, so-and-so called me and it's like, okay, so I got a relationship with everybody and they're, and and we're transitioning into strictly roofing company and they're asking Mm me to come remodel their bathroom. But I felt obligated to go Mm -hmm. get this bathroom that I am not equipped to do anymore. And the most valuable thing I could have done for both of us, not just me, but for them as well, because they not going to be good because I'm a roofing company now I'm set mm-hmm. up with roofers is to tell them, no, he, yep. but here, here's a recommendation I'll give you. But no, I, I just can't. It's just not in our playbook anymore. So I know you're really good at that because you're very, very particular in the work you take on mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Let's get back to that a little bit. You know, this is a roofing show, but it's really yeah. only a roofing show because I'm a roofer. It's a contractor show. You know, we're we're all fighting the same battle. We all have customers. We're all going to job sites to do projects. It's, you know, we're all in the same boat. So, let it tell us about the business that you have today, and kind of, you know, the real structure of it, and and how you qualify your customers and, and things like mm-hmm. that.
1: Well, as obviously when we first started, you know, we did a little bit of history. I'll start right when we started the company. I was that guy that had to grind it out. You know, we were a lot of residential work because residential is for cash flow, commercials for making money. So, you know, we were doing a lot of residential. I was grinding it out, and then I would say probably a year in, we got our first commercial. We landed our first commercial project. So as we started running numbers and keeping track of all this, designing a company isn't something that's done day one. I want to put that in there because I had to start looking at those numbers, looking at where our money was coming from versus effort and saying, okay, well, I don't want to work 90 hours a week to make $80,000. I'm not doing it. I'll go, I'll go get a job. I mean, I left $120,000 a year job to start a company. You know, who does that shit? Me. Why? Because I didn't like the grind. So. What I did was I ground out that first year. I figured out where we needed it to go. And so now I'm completely structured to where I would say that 80% of our gross sales is in commercial and even a very sub genre of commercial. I focus clearly on commercial remodel and tenant upfit work. So I'm not your guy that's going to go out and build a new restaurant. I'm not the guy that's going to, you know, do an apartment complex. I'm not going to go redo an entire parking lot. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take the shells there. We're going to make it for the tenant, um, whether that's remodels, uh, you know, or upfit. So yeah,
0: and um, that's and that's mostly
1: in concrete, correct? Concrete and masonry, yes. So okay. so what we've done with our, you know, we are concrete. That's my trade by choice. Uh, the masonry side kind of lends into that because there's not usually a lot of masonry on those projects, and they're hard to find people to do. So what I've done is I've created a way for these GCs to put it all under one contract. It's all one guy. They love it. You know, they're jumping. They're you know, they're jumping for joy when I say, "Hey, we can handle the masonry and concrete on this. It's it's right in our wheelhouse. You know, we can do this." And we're probably getting an extra if they split it up, they may save 5 to 7%. Um, by finding two contractors, but it's worth it to them to just give it to us. They don't have the management side of it.
0: And I, I know uh, a, a great story. I, I, I love thinking about when I'm looking at, you know, these jobs and how I'm going to do my, my business and kind of goals I'm setting. I, I, I you know, I don't know, maybe it must've been a couple of years ago now, I guess, but you got this one particular company that was, and I won't name the name. You can, if you want, but it was one store that was having you bid these these projects over multiple states mm-hmm. but they were like week long projects yeah they weren't o- oversized it was something that one or two guys could do it was a very particular job and it was mm-hmm. the same job over and over again just keep doing that same job and yeah. you were making a freaking boatload of money on those things
1: Well, I was doing okay. I mean, (laughs) it it was one of those things that once we got that first one in and, you know, we really made an impression within the entire, that whole organization, it it was like shooting fish in a barrel. There was, and come to find out that first, and and I'll tell you this here, that first project that we got in that um, program, I think we ended up doing it at 90 grand. And so by the end of it, and we were all you know, we were all friends at this point, you know, we had went through the trenches, you know, we were, we were buddy, buddy. I asked the one guy, I said, all right. I said, I know you wanted me to do the next one. I said, but I need to know how much money did I leave on the table? Well, I didn't ask the head, you know, the head guy, I asked one of the lower guys that didn't realize he wasn't supposed to tell me. He he said, uh, he goes, I think the next closest bid was 160. <laughs> so did I use that against him? No, I didn't end up doing that because I mean, I did a $90,000 project at 50% net.
0: Yeah. So I was okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, but shouldn't we take a lesson from that for forever, though? Because I mean, if you found this, I mean, it's a niche inside of a niche. Yeah. That, and you perfected the process. You did it, you know, a dozen times. You could go oh, do yeah. it tomorrow in your sleep and yep. make a ton of profit because you built a relationship. Yeah, you had the system down. You knew exactly how much concrete to order, what tools to take, what manpower you need. I mean, everything was was just. By the time it was done, you might have made fifty percent on the first one, but you probably made sixty percent on the last one. You know, um, there's portions of those jobs
1: that push sixty. You know, I would say most likely we're averaging about forty to forty-five on them um, over the totality of the jobs because they're getting a little bit different from time to time. But yeah, I mean, in all reality, when you get into repeat work like that, you know, cookie cutter type work, even though remodels never cookie cutter, um, there's always problems that arise. I'm also very good at communication and bringing problems to the table without, you know, with solutions attached. You know, don't ever just take problems to your client or GC. Take them a solution. They don't want to deal with it. If you figure it out for them, they're gonna love you forever. Anyway, so back what I was trying to get to originally. This cookie cutter work, we found, and I don't want to use the word shortcuts because I don't want to be taken in the wrong connotation, but we found the way to be more productive, be more efficient. The things that we could maybe not do quite as perfect when we talk about the quality thing, you know, there's a lot of floor repairs and things like that that are getting covered with floor coating. You know, they're they're getting a floor covering, whether it's carpet, VCT, you know, even grinding seals, you know, if they were doing that over it. So we found that there were some things that just didn't matter. You know, if we're going in filling in trenches in some of those stores, we were filling in uh, you know, plumbing and and electrical trenches. Well, we've talked to the, the flooring company. We got together with them outside of GC and come to find out they wanted everything left low. They didn't want us to fill the trenches fully because they had a grout coat to put on and they wanted that depth so they didn't have as much grinding. So now, well, okay, so I'm supposed to leave it a quarter inch low. I don't even have to finish it. Just get it in there, knock it down a quarter inch low. They're covered it anyway. And they were yeah, thrilled.
0: Yeah, put putting a slick finish on
1: it. Yeah, the, yeah the, they were thrilled. It helped the flooring company, but it also saved us like 16 hours of labor with two finishers all day. So But I still bid for those finishers in case we have to do it, but nine out of 10 times we don't. So therefore, there's 16 hours of labor that I'm just getting for free.
0: Yeah. And, you know, even even in the roofing space, I mean, that's my focus is residential, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, that's our niche. Our niche is residential replacement. We don't do repair. I'm taking a lick on some commercial experience right now, realizing that I, that's not necessarily the re- direction I'm going to go. But even in the residential roofing business, it's the same way. You start realizing, okay, these are the things that have to happen every time. These are the things that they're not a shortcut. It's not half. It's not giving them less than what you sold them, but it's a way to do it more productively, more efficient, cost a little bit better while you're still bidding at that you know premium cost that that you typically bid at. But you just learn to get better because you do it every day.
1: That's right, and and it, it's an efficiency thing. It's not a shortcut. You know, it's not charging premium for a half-assed job, or, and it's not delivering less than premium product at the end. It's the fact that you're efficient.
0: Some shit just doesn't need done. Like there's some things that that you're doing it just because to do it. Like you're just working to work at that point.
1: Well, and and that comes from our busy mindset. You know, a lot of contractors, especially starting out, we're busy bodies, not by choice, but by demand. You know, we have to work 90 hours a week or we're not going to make, you know, we're not going to pay the mortgage in two months. So, you know, we get, we turn into busy bodies and we start doing things for just the sake of being busy. And if you don't believe me, go go to your office. If you're out there listening, you're a small contractor right now. Go to your office and look at your desk and figure out what the hell isn't that important. Yeah. I started throwing things away. Like yeah. It's been 10, 10, 15 years ago when I really decided I was going to get efficient at at the operation side of contracting. I would look at something and I thought, okay, if I don't do this, what's the penalty for not doing it? If it was under $1,000, I threw it in the trash. <laughs>
0: I'm because you have to dollars in half the time doing what you're good at.
1: Absolutely. So you know, I mean, there's like even at one point, this is now. This is a funny story. Um, this is back when I was managing, you know, my dad's real estate portfolio as well. You know, so I mean, you know how big it was at one time. You know, it's a lot of it's gone now as as he gets older. But you know, we were getting thirty or forty electric bills a month. Well, I figured out that our electric company wouldn't shut your service off until you were three months behind. So I would only pay the electric bills once every three months. So, you know, you'd pay it like January and February's bills. I'd just throw straight to trash. Wouldn't even open them. Throw them in the trash. March would come. I'd pay every one of them. And a lot of people looked at me and was like, what are you doing? This sounds crazy, aren't they?" I said, one, they don't charge interest. They don't charge late penalties. As long as you pay it before 90 days, they're not going to shut it off. And we already got the money in the bank to do it. I said, I just saved myself from writing 40 checks a month for two months. So I saved 80 checks. I saved at least seven to eight hours of labor, probably enough to pay for half them damn bills. <laughs> and, and that's when people really started noticing things like, okay, you look at things a little bit different.
0: <laughs> yeah. but You know, I remember back uh, our, our first business meeting in your dad's shop you know, I, I kind of came to you looking for some coaching and looking for some business advice because I was really, really lost and really struggling to just kind we, of wrap my mind around it. We all are lost at times, man. Even me, it's it's okay to admit. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And I, I remember thinking because, you know, I'd had other business conversations with people before that, that were successful. I mean, it's not mm. like I I hadn't talked to other successful people. I still, to this day, remember that conversation. And I remember leaving like, was a whole nother mindset like that's different than anything else i've ever been told that's different than anything anybody else has preached to me about how to operate a business and i, w- I was pretty floored when i started implementing some of those techniques not that i didn't mi- modify them a little bit to fit yeah absolutely your personality right yeah. you know um you, everybody your personality changes how you do things uh, any any little thing but to take that advice, just take my little twist on it, and then oh wow, yeah, th- this works, you know. So yeah. I I think that that's another lesson everybody needs to take. If you don't go to college, go talk to a lot of people that are successful. Because if you just oh, talk yeah. to people and listen to people, just just listen. You ain't have to talk. You're probably better off not to. But probably better off just to open your ears and shut your mouth. Listen to what some people are saying because the amount of knowledge that you can gain from just a couple hour conversation is I mean, the the value of that could be limitless.
1: You know, and even to add to that, you're absolutely right. You know, listing and putting a network of successful people around you is a great thing. Um, To to dive into that deeper, I am a big believer in you want your network to be the next step above you. Okay, so let's say there's a roofer out there that's doing five hundred thousand dollars a year. Right. He's a newer roofer or whatever. He's doing five hundred thousand gross a year. It doesn't do him any good to be in a peer network with $5 million companies. You know, his next step is maybe that million-dollar threshold. Find some people at a mill and push yourself to that next step. You know, a lot of us want to read books or, you know, get in these peer groups or different conventions. And and they want to sit around these multi-million-dollar companies and think they're going to learn something. Well, guess what? You're not going to learn anything. They have you there's you may be able to teach them more than they can teach you because you're not in the same position. You're not ready to take that. You're not even in the same industry. A roofer doing a one hundred million dollars is in a completely different industry than the roofer doing one million dollars. They may. Yes. Yes, they may both put on roofs. It's a different industry. Yeah. So you've got to put your network the next step up and then continually bring in and eliminate and add your network accordingly. Not your friends, but your network
0: right your business network yeah i had a meeting with a mutual relationship you and i have that's at a level i i, I can't imagine either of us will ever see i know i
1: won't because i don't want that kind of business i don't hear your talk i don't know who you're talking about i mean I, i'm sure i can guess
0: it um yeah. but long story short i don't want to be there I, that's not me sure and, and and i'm in the same boat i'm trying to grow a business organically but i i have i mean I i've been living out of an rv uh, uh traveling with my two kids and wife for the last you know 18 months two weeks on two weeks off i love this lifestyle business that that i've mm-hmm. created and so i, I mean either you know if it organically gets to a a substantial size awesome yeah but you know, I'm not going to sit here and grind 80 hours a week just to say, I did this much in sales. But regardless, a tip I got from this guy, who I hold in really high regard. Oh, absolutely. He, I had a business coach and he was great. I, I would recommend him to anybody. It's called the contractor coach. The guy I used to meet with, his name was Tom Pearson. He's fantastic. Yeah, not a yep. Tom is a... um his background was accounting. He was he's a CPA and he had a really good accounting background. And at the time that is what I needed help with. I needed help understanding my numbers and he helped me a ton. So not to take away from that, but then I had this conversation with our mutual friend that he said, he who's doing hundreds of millions of dollars worth of sales. I mean, this guy's way up there. Like, but he told me, he said, when you're hiring a business coach or hiring a consultant, you need to speak to somebody that hit a level higher than where you're at today and has the mindset of where you're trying to go to next. And then once you hit the level he reached, you need to go find a guy that's a step ahead of him. So I ended up hiring a, a, a coach and I'm in a mastermind group with him, uh, Dave Sullivan and Dave is, is uh, he runs the rougher show podcast and, and he's the rougher coach and all that stuff. He's great. And Dave built a business worth about, it He did about $10 million, which that was 15, 20 years ago, probably equivalent to about a $30 million business now. And not that I'm anywhere close to that step, but he's opened my eyes to things that Tom wasn't able to, because Tom hadn't, hadn't grown a business to that level, you know? Yeah. So I'm going to be with Dave until I get to a certain level where I feel like, okay, I've surpassed his expertise. Now, I need to find the guy that's got the expertise for that next level. Absolutely. So, we've covered a lot here, but we're just getting started. I feel like we're just getting started. Our conversations <laughs> usually go for like three freaking hours, but
1: how well, Joe but yeah. Rogan does it all the time. He's got four hour yeah. podcasts. He's number yeah. one, baby.
0: I figured out. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So, he, you know, another thing you're doing that I, I find really exciting and I know you're super excited about is, you know, some of this. I don't think you like the word business coach, but I'm going to use the word business coach. But, you know, doing some some of that kind of work and also doing some writing obviously and some public speaking stuff. How did you get into that? What got you into, you know, where did that come from?
1: Well, that's been the writing started probably 5 or 6 years ago. The public speaking thing was actually before that, it was first. So, part of our residential Work is foundation repair. It kind of goes ties in with the concrete and masonry side. So, a lot of drainage and and things of that nature. Originally, I started as a continuing education instructor. So, I went out in, in Ohio and West Virginia, got myself certified as a real estate continuing education instructor, got this class certified to count for their CE credits. And it was basically all about teaching realtors how to identify potential foundation problems within the houses they were looking at listing etc but what really it was designed to do was to make all the realtors in our area uh, realize that I was the go-to source for this expertise and it worked brilliantly so i was already putting out the public speaking side of it and the and the presentation side of it then the the writing kind of came about 5 or 6 years ago through a weird way you know i was on linkedin i had Put a couple things on LinkedIn, just kind of haphazardly, um, but I was still making videos for our company as far as you know, foundation repair, concrete videos, type educational stuff. And Mastery Magazine caught one of them, and and one of their main editor tagged me, to one of their associate editors. So I kind of just started doing some investigation, and it took about three months, but we finally got together on some parameters and. Uh, The first year I wrote three articles uh, for Masonry Magazine. The the next year, I think I wrote six. I think it was every other month. It it started quarterly, went to to every other month. Year three, they said, we want you to write every month. And now I have my own column, which is called Building More. And it's a column designed about really my experiences, my thoughts, uh, adding perspective into small companies. That maybe aren't you know aren't the 10 to 20 30 50 100 million dollar masonry companies they're you know they're the guys starting out that are like oh man i, I want to get over this hump but i can't why can't i get over the hump so i talk really a lot about those type of situations but i've been doing that I've, I've, it's over 50 some articles now that we've had published in masonry magazine and people
0: so just to give a little background too i've read a ton mm-hmm. of these articles and you don't have to be a Mason for this to, to be beneficial to read. I can attest Correct. to that personally. It's it's not about Masonry, it's about building your small business. Absolutely it just happens your background's masonry and that's where you got that was the
1: platform that gave me, you know, the opportunity to get right. my perspective out there and, and it, it were it's working great. I mean it, it we I actually was invited and spoke last year to World Concrete which I know you got a lot of roofers listening, but it's it's the largest trade show in America, really. It's l- trade specific. The World of Concrete is a big deal. Seventy, eighty thousand 80,000 people, the entire Las Vegas Convention Center. I had 435 people show up to see me give a 90-minute presentation on leadership and construction. Pretty wild event. So I may have done a little bit of speaking and and coaching, if you will. I hate that term coaching because I like perspective injection, but my wife says it sounds dirty. So. <laughs> I'm not the guy that's going to tell you exactly how to run your life. Now, if you want someone to sit around and and talk about effective and maybe, Hey, let's look at from this side or let's look at this angle. Yeah. I like that.
0: That's how I like to run everything in my life. So we've got, you know, we got 10, 15 more minutes here pretty easily. Look, the goal here for me is to get in front of these guys that were in the Mm -hmm. position I was in, you know, five, seven years ago, early on, you know, grinding it out, killing ourselves to to make a buck. Luckily, I finally found my way out. But uh, you know, a lot of these guys haven't. And mm-hmm. I I believe you give a ton of really really good insight. You know, this last bit here, as a what do you call it? Injection insight Perspect- injection, perspective perspective injection. injection. Perspective injectionist. Perspective,
1: yes, yes, perspective injectionist. That okay. Now let's now maybe it's a tongue tire. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, let's, you know, to the guy that, you know, is, is trying to get close to that million dollar mark, maybe he's doing two million, he's got some guys in house, maybe they're not real productive, maybe, you know, maybe he's struggling to, to get time with his kids or get time with his family. Give us an insight into how do we transition from that daily, you know, beating our head against the wall, trying to make some money and get into a position where we're making real profit we actually have a business that generates some profit when we're not right there or you know even if you got to still maybe be there daily but you're not doing meaningless work that that doesn't pay you know kind of give us yeah. give us your thoughts on how to start making that transition and get out of that daily grind well you know i
1: think that the first step to that is to really step back think if you're in that position is this what i really want you know i know people and you do too, that have have worked 80 hours a week around their entire life and doing multi-million dollars, but they're not happy. You know, they either have, they've had, you know, maybe a divorce or something like that, or, you know, it's, something's going on in, in their personal life that they don't really enjoy because they've done nothing but work. So I really, when I talk to people, like I would ask you, I mean, I, and I can ask you right now, point yeah. blank, are you happy where you're at? Like right now, are you happy? And if you're I, not I you finally are. But I didn't care. Right now. I remember talking a year ago with you. You're beating your head against the wall for no reason other than you're just being a dumbass. Yep. Like you were you were pushing yourself to a limit that you weren't comfortable with. But and that's really what the first step is, a step back, decide if you're happy or not. Secondly, decide what you want to make. You know, do you want to make a million dollars a year net profit? Well, then you're gonna have to do some grinding. If you can live on two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, which is damn good money, let's not kid ourselves. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars sure. is good money in this, in this in this country. So there's ways to get there, and and I think that that's what what gets lost in translation a lot with a lot of business advice that's out there, pretty readily available and free on the internet and through books and things. Is they they keep the old ten ten rule, you know, ten percent net profit. If you're charging ten percent to try to get net profit of 10%, you are, you're going bankrupt in a hurry. You might as well go work for someone else. And a lot of people get trapped in that and then they get that stagnant because they don't have the money to grow to get out of it or they're not grinding and they're not making enough money to survive and they just get upset. Yeah. So it, it's a lot of step back and reflect and really some soul searching. Decide what you really want. What do I want to make? You know, Do I want 50 employees or do I want five? Um, and then that goes into some of those other metrics that I used when I was creating my own, you know, margins. If you're going to do $20 million a year, your margins are going to be a hell of a lot less than doing $2 million a year.
0: Yeah. Um, well, you said $250,000 a year. And I would not hesitate to say that most people listening, even if you think you're making $250,000, you're, 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 not. Not. You're, not. you're not. And not to say some guys aren't. Um, I'm sure there's plenty that are. But oh, most yeah. people never make that in their life. Most small contractors never get
1: there. Most small contractors, if they sneak out a six-figure year, they're they're jumping for joy. And
0: hell, I did that in year two. Right. Exactly. And if you take that and look at kind of some of the mindset that you have, you know, going out and bidding these jobs with with a fifty percent margin, say that's even a a thirty percent net. You know, you don't have to do a whole lot of business. I mean, a million dollars worth of business today at the rate of material cost and all of these and it, factors it of where we're at today. A million dollars is not, I don't want to say it's nothing because it is something. You definitely are on to something. But yeah. you're not, you shouldn't have to kill yourselves to do a million dollars a year. And I would go as far as to say you could do that with a helper, not even a full-time employee. You could do that with a helper, yourself and a helper could get close to that. A, a mill,
1: you may you may need one full time guy and maybe some some temporary help here and there.
0: Um, yeah, but I but I agree with you.
1: Still, running your own office still. And, yeah. and you, the, you t- the main thing is is this is that you know twenty five years ago if we were going to do a million dollars we had to lower our margins so we were you know we were would shoot for twenty three percent let's say um, and we would have to get down around seventeen to get to a million dollars in gross sales twenty five years ago. That's not the case now. You can go out and do it. Anybody can go out and do a million dollars, like you said, running your own office. You can get to a million dollars and net twenty five percent, which is two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, it's just a matter of perspective and and getting out of your you know stepping back and getting out of your own way and realizing I don't have to be busy doing you know ten dollar an hour or fifteen dollar an hour work. I need to be focused on the big picture. Let's target the jobs that I know we can make money on and then just target more of those style jobs, you know, creating that niche
0: for yourself. Yeah, I, well, and, you know, I would say so for me, and I'm not afraid to throw some of my numbers around, not that it's bragging, but I want people to understand, you know, two years ago we were doing three and a half million bucks. Mm -hmm. last year or 22 we did like five this year we're going to we finished out 24 or 23 at at about seven million and that growth from five to seven million the only thing i did was walk away from the business that's the Mm -hmm. only thing i did i uh, when we live out of this rv half the time traveling the country i still work i still go on the computer every day to check in on things i still actually do sales manager the, the role of sales manager i'm checking on sales guys daily Multi times a day. I mean, I still work. I'm not saying I don't work, but I can do that. And then I make it a point at least a couple times a week to buy. You know, we're at these campgrounds, these RV parks, whatever. I make it a point to buy. They, they sell firewood at these RV parks. It's $10 a freaking bundle. You got to down bundles to create a fire. You know what I mean? Like it's so ridiculous. <laughs> Robbery. It's my best investment is $30 worth of firewood for a little fire because I, I go start a fire, I pour a drink, have a cocktail and I get my laptop out and I start doing some homework really putting my mind out and writing on my laptop mm-hmm. and the thought processes I can have when I don't I have clarity I don't have this noise in the background of employees and staff and subcontractors and all this stuff But the clarity I can get when I just I leave my phone in the the camper, I sit in the lawn chair by the fire and I just look at my business and what can I do to make it a little bit better? How can I make my team a little bit happier or things like that? And just walking away can can create growth and profit, you know, just makes your guys become a little bit better, too, because they have to learn. To do some stuff without you. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, I think that you know most of your your go getters, ball busters, if you will, you know, like you were all those years to get to that that five mark. You were also a little bit micromanaging that process too, because you were so absolutely. focused on pushing that you were kind of in their way. And you know, once you walked away, they they were allowed to flourish. And yep. that's the thing is you know, and, and I've been told this by many people over the years. Hire good people. Get the hell out of their way. Yep. You know, Absolutely. let them do let them do their thing. And if you got to pay them twice as much as what anyone else
0: would, do it if they're that good. Yep. Just, but well, you've got to let them go. Well, we we have a mentor that, that both of us have a lot of respect for. An old fella built thousand plus houses in his life. And you know, I remember anybody's ever asked him, you know, Robert, how did you do it? And all his answer ever would be is good people. Yeah. Just had good people. You know, but yeah, no, I I think that's absolutely right. But I think people don't give it enough weight on, you know, what it means to work on your business and not in it. And when you step back and start working on the business and doing this meaningful work that you don't have the noise, your men can flourish and you can grow as an owner also and and kind of see what potential is out there. So, I guess to wrap things up, what's the final thoughts from Corey today? Because I know you've got some good ones. Wow, you put me on the spot like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't.
1: you said that when we started this, he said we didn't need any notes. So, I didn't have anything prepared. I mean, this was just off the cuff
0: conversation. You're the um, most off the cuff person I know. So, I don't <laughs> think <one> good. <laughs> we're getting ready to go to Vegas and hang yes, out. Yes, we are. and party yep. it up, do some gambling. You're going to do a lot of professional stuff while I, uh, blow my money at the blackjack table probably but i'm sure
1: you'll with me i'll probably run into you once or twice i love that you know i love going out there and and seeing all these people that i don't get to see on the daily you know yeah i mean i've got i've got contacts from all over the country and which is funny i'll tell you this funny story uh you know one time someone there was a, a masonry contractor in california he had asked someone that that knew me, you know, they said, Hey, do you know who this Corey Adams is? Cause I've been writing articles. He said, I I just kind of had to start laughing. He goes, I didn't know you got famous. (laughs) I was like, I'm really not famous. It just so happens that he he put two and two together at some point. (laughs) It's but, yeah, but, uh, but, but I go to Vegas for that reason, you know, I go out to that convention every year, one, cause I can write it off Two, because there there's people across the country that I enjoy and, and I love yeah. conversations. And if we don't have these types of conversations, you know, with each other about business and things like that, then we'd, neither of us grow, you know, yeah. we can teach each other a lot. And and I say that to everyone who even calls me for consulting or, or, or mentorship, that, that they're going to teach me something too you know, I'm here for perspective. I'm, I just, that's just the way I live it.
0: Yeah. Well, I got in that mastermind group, like I told you there earlier this year and, Mm -hmm. uh, I went to my first roofing conference this summer or yeah, I was in the summer, but it was down in Orlando and it really was an eye opener. The network of people that you can, you know, communicate with and stay in touch with and learn from, and maybe even teach something to, I, as an early entrepreneur, I I wasn't going to waste my time going to a conference where I'm not going to take anything away from. No, you take something away from it. It, it, right. it. it pumps you up. You get excited. Oh, yeah. You meet people that are probably going through the same problems you're going through, or they just conquered those problems and they can teach you a little something. So, I, yeah. You, I tell
1: you what, if you're, str- if you're
0: struggling, there is nothing...
1: As a as a motivational boost, like going to a, a trade show, yeah. Because if you're struggling a little bit and wondering why you can't get out of your way, you can go there and you'll see, you know, fifty thousand people that have already been through it are already a step ahead of you, and they're all happy and flourishing, and it makes you go, okay, I can do this. I can do this. Yes, they did it. I can do this. And sometimes when you meet some of those people, you're like, how in the hell did they do it? Like they're. <laughs> I mean, I know quite a few uh, millionaires that do not look or act or m- maybe even think like millionaires whatsoever.
0: <laughs> yep. but, but they, they figured didn't. You haven't, yeah.
1: They they figured it out. <laughs> and, and good yep. for them. I mean, so, you know, it takes all kinds of us. Uh,
0: we just got to keep yeah. helping each other. <laughs> that, that's exactly right. That's got to be uh, tip of the day. Help each other out because everybody's out here to cut each other's throats. And it's silly. Just help each you, other.
1: Listen, we're not competition. Anyone, you know, and I tell this to even—I mean, how I consult people in my own industry—that most in your own neighborhood, and I know, in na- in, in, yeah, in my own neighborhood, I help people. Why? Because we're not competition. There's plenty of work out there. I mean, with the labor, the labor shortage that we have in construction, this is going to be with the most lucrative industry in the next twenty to thirty years by far. It's not even going to yeah. be close. What we got to do is is step back and get out of that mindset that we're we're a lower race of people because we're construction workers. It's, It's not true. You know, we're our our skill sets way more valuable. We're not competition. Let's all get together, help each other out and let's put out good quality projects for good quality margins and build
0: together. That's where I'm at. There you are. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. It was a lot of fun, Corey. I'm glad we uh, we've been trying to do this for a few days now. I'm glad uh, we finally got snowed in and didn't have a choice but get it done. Yeah, so, yeah. If anybody listened this long, thanks. I think it was an hour well spent. So. If anybody wants to reach out to you or listen to some of your or read some of your articles or anything, could you throw a little uh, little bit of info in on how somebody could do that?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, if you want to read, go back through the history of, of our articles that we've published in Masonry Magazine, it's free. You can go to masonrymagazine.com. They have a, a heading in their menu called articles or search. You can actually search my name, Corey Adams, uh, and it'll pull up. Pretty much every article I've ever published on Mastery Magazine. They're all online. They're all free. If you want to reach out to me, then I'll put an email. I'll get the email to you so you can put it in the description of this thing. How about that? It's kind of kind of different. We'll, we'll, we'll throw the
0: email and tag it in the yeah. description that way in the show notes. And if somebody wants to reach out. If, if they don't reach uh, out, that, that way we don't
1: don't know no misspellings. We'll just, I'll, I'll shoot you an email. Perfect. Um, and that way you can put it in the description if they want to shoot me an email and whatever if not help maybe somebody wants to have a conversation i love conversation i know you do prefer over cocktails and maybe that'll be next week in vegas but Uh, i'm sure we'll have some good ones but
0: Corey, anyway i appreciate it man thanks for spending some time on this and and helping me out a little bit so if nothing else we'll see uh seven days. seven seven days. days i'm counting down man i'll talk to you here soon all right we'll see you friend bye bye